We are blessed in America today. I know we've got our problems. I know we've got our faults. No doubt about that. But there's no place I'd rather live than right here. God's been good to us, blessed our land, gave us freedom of religion. That's a big thing, folks. That's a big thing. Um, and thank our pilgrim forefathers and and um, all of that that set all of that up. But, um, certainly need to be free in the house of the Lord. We need the Spirit of the Lord. Um, Going to be starting Wednesday night uh, service like we said on our Articles of Faith. And the first one has to do with the Word of God. And I was talking to Randy a little bit this morning about it. And uh, um, about why we use this particular Bible. And I'll not get into that today. That'll be for Wednesday night. But I do want to point out something that he said. We were talking about back in those days there were a group of religious people that didn't want the Bible printed and translated because they didn't want the people to have it. And Randy said, now they can have it and they don't want it. That's right, and that'll preach. That'll preach. Uh, But I'm glad we have it today and I hope that you want it today and I hope that uh, I hope that revival has already started in some of your hearts. Because if it's not started in your hearts yet, you can't just flip it on like a switch Thursday. You need to be prepared now. And uh, it's a very important, very important revival. Um, they all are, of course, but with every year that passes and, and uh, the lost are not saved, it's just uh, it's gut-wrenching. It really is. It hurts my soul. Um, and I want to see them all saved. And I know that God wants them all to be saved. So, um, uh, John chapter number 19. And uh, I don't normally read this much, but I feel needed on this day. We're going to read pretty much the whole chapter. may read the whole chapter. Um, So you pray for us, and I'm I'm sorry for that. Well, no, I'm not sorry. It's the Word of God. Um, but, uh, But at any rate, if there was ever a day that we need to be patient, I guess it's today. Uh, but it says, Then Pilate therefore took Jesus and scourged him. And the soldiers plaited a crown of thorns and put it on his head. And they put on him a purple robe and said, Hail, King of the Jews. And they smote him with their hands. Pilate therefore went it forth again and saith unto them, Behold, I bring him forth to you that ye may know that I find no fault in him. Then came Jesus forth wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe. And Pilate saith unto him, Behold the man. When the chief priests therefore and officers saw him, they cried out saying, Crucify him. Crucify him. Pilate saith unto them, Take ye him and crucify him, for I find no fault in him. The Jews answered him, We have a law, and by our law he ought to die, because he made himself the Son of God. When Pilate therefore had heard that saying, he was the more afraid, and went again into the judgment hall, and saith unto Jesus, Whence art thou? But Jesus gave him no answer. Then saith Pilate unto him, Speakest thou not unto me? 
Knowest thou not that I have power to crucify thee and have power to release thee? Jesus answered, Thou couldst have no power at all against me except it were given thee from above. Therefore he that delivered me unto thee hath a greater sin. And from thenceforth Pilate sought to release him, but the Jews cried out, saying, If thou let this man go, thou art not Caesar's friend. Whosoever maketh himself a king speaketh against Caesar. When Pilate therefore heard that saying, he brought Jesus forth and sat down in the judgment seat in a place that is called the pavement, but in the Hebrew, Gabbatha. And it was the preparation of the Passover, and about the sixth hour, and he saith unto the Jews, Behold your king! And they cried out, Away with him, away with him, crucify him! Pilate saith unto them, Shall I crucify your king? The chief priests answered, We have no king but Caesar. Then delivered he them therefore unto them to be crucified, and they took Jesus and led him away. And he bearing his cross went forth into a place called the place of a skull, which is in the Hebrew Golgotha, where they crucified him and two other with him on either side one and Jesus in the midst. And Pilate wrote a title and put it on the cross and the writing was Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. This title then read many of the Jews, for the place where Jesus was crucified was nigh to the city. And it was written in Hebrew and Greek and Latin. Then said the chief priest of the Jews to Pilate, Write not the king of the Jews, but that he said, I am the king of the Jews. Pilate answered, What I have written, I have written. Then the soldiers, when they had crucified Jesus, took his garments and made four parts, to every soldier a part, and also his coat. Now the coat was without seam woven from the top throughout. They said therefore among themselves, Let us not rend it, but cast lots for it, whose it shall be, that the Scripture might be fulfilled, which saith they parted my raiment among them, and for my vesture did they cast lots. These things therefore the soldiers did. Now there stood by the cross of Jesus his mother, and his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Cleophas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciples standing by whom he loved, he saith unto his mother, Woman, behold thy son. Then he saith to the disciple, Behold thy mother. And from that hour that disciple took her into his own home. After this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the Scripture might be fulfilled, saith, I thirst. Now there was set a vessel full of vinegar, and they filled a sponge with vinegar and put it on hyssop and put it to his mouth. When Jesus had therefore received the vinegar, he said, It is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up the ghost. The Jews, therefore, because it was a preparation that the body should not remain upon the cross on the Sabbath day, for that Sabbath day was a high day, besought Pilate that their legs might be broken and that they might be taken away. Then came the soldiers and brake the legs of the first and of the other which was crucified with him. 
But when they came to Jesus and saw that he was dead already, they break not his legs. But one of the soldiers with a spear pierced his side, and forthwith came there out blood and water. And he that saw it bear record, and his record is true, and he that knoweth that he saith truth, that she might believe. For these things were done, that the Scripture should be fulfilled, a bone of him shall not be broken. And again another Scripture saith, they shall look on him whom they pierced. And after this, Joseph of Arimathea, being a disciple of Jesus, but secretly for fear the Jews, besought Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus. And Pilate gave him leave. He came therefore and took the body of Jesus. And there came also Nicodemus. There's old Nicodemus. Which at the first came to Jesus by night and brought a mixture of myrrh and aloes about a hundred pound weight. Then they took the body of Jesus and wound it in linen clothes with the spices as the manner of the Jews is to bury Now in the place where he was crucified, there was a garden. And in the garden a new sepulcher wherein never was man yet laid. There laid they Jesus, therefore, because of the Jews' preparation day, for the sepulcher was nigh at hand. I know that's a lot of reading, but that's what this day is about. I'm glad it didn't stop. Brother Danny read chapter 20 at Sunday school. I'm glad it didn't stop after 19. It'd be a sad state if it did. I begin to think this week and three words uh, just kept running through my mind and through my heart. Those three words, this is finished. Thank God, Hallelujah. That it's finished. The plan of salvation is over. It's been completed. I thought as we uh, prepared and tried to prepare for this day and what was needed, and I don't know what's needed here today, and maybe just read a little like I did. I won't preach long. Uh, but I thought about that as we were at Summer Shade this morning. Brother Chad preached on the real Easter, and and I appreciated that message. That uh, the you know it's it's good for kids to have egg hunts and this and that. But but my friend, if you don't teach them about the death, burial, and resurrection, you miss the point of Easter. You miss what it's all about. Uh, the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ is absolutely the single greatest thing in recorded history. It changed absolutely everything. Uh, The birth is good. We have celebrated at Christmas. Uh, The death is good. We celebrated at the Lord's Supper. Uh, But none of it would have mattered if He had not rose from the dead. It was the resurrection of the dead that gave hope and a lost sinner one night as I was on my knees crying out to God. It's the resurrection of the dead. We were talking in Sunday school and those women came that Sabbath day fully expecting to find the body of Jesus Christ. They they brought their spices with them. They brought, I thought about how I just read there uh, that they took His bloody frame down from the cross. 
and how it must have broke their hearts uh, when they saw the, uh, the nails driven through his hands and his feet, uh, uh, when they pierced his side and there came out blood and water. I thought about uh, all of that scourging, which was the first verse in that chapter. My friend, they laid his back open with whips and catanine tails and, and, uh, and it hurt and, and his back was just laid open and he was unrecognizable. The Bible says that he was beaten and his visage was so marred. I personally believe he was beaten more than any man has ever been beaten in his life. I believe he took the beating that no man could endure. And the only way he could endure it was he was the God-man. I, I believe that that would have killed you. I read there in your hearing how they made fun of him. I thought about the Scripture this week where while he was hanging there, Matthew's Gospel tells us that People walked by. John said it was nine to the city that they crucified him. And, and they crucified people near the road of Jerusalem. And they crucified him just outside the city, but in a spot where everybody that walked the street could see those men hanging on the tree. That's what a crucifixion was. It was a spectacle. It was a it was the time that uh, that uh, the Romans had, uh, implemented this method of of, uh, of death, and it was meant to uh, let everybody know that these men were sinners. But Brother Chad was preaching this morning, and he said they found Jesus guilty of a few things, and uh, I never really thought about it like that. They were false witnesses trying to testify in court against Jesus. But he said they accused him of loving sinners. I'm glad he was guilty of that. I'm glad he was found guilty of loving a sinner because he loved me one night before one day, before there ever was a day, before there ever was time. He already loved you and me that much. And do you understand that plan of salvation had been hanging for thousands of years since the time of Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, since the time that man fell, and since the time that man first sinned, and the prophecy in Genesis 3 was Adam and Eve that you will bear children, and through your seed, the seed of the woman, shall come forth the one that will bruise the serpent's head, and the serpent will bruise his heel. That all came to fruition when Jesus Christ was crucified and slain. I thought about the fact that Chad preached this morning that they found him guilty of being uh, calling himself the Son of God. I'm glad he was guilty of that. He is the Son of God. He's the Son of the Everlasting Father. He is the Eternal Son of the Eternal Father. And He was absolutely guilty as charged of being the Son of God. But I thought about how it must have broke their hearts as they watched His bloody frame as He carried that cross as far as He could carry it before He succumbed to the weight on the Via Dolorosa on that road that leads out of the city of Jerusalem. It was Jerusalem where it had to happen. It was Jerusalem where Abraham took Isaac up on Mount Moriah and, and there I was going to offer him as a sacrifice. Jerusalem 
is the place that God put His name there. It's the house of bread and it's the house of God. And Jerusalem was the place where David built an altar at the threshing floor of Ornan and Jebusite. It was the place where an angel stood with his sword stretched out between the living and the dead, between heaven and earth. And that angel stretched forth his hand over the top of Jerusalem. And that lets me know that at Jerusalem there's a great separation that takes place. It takes place at the separation of them that have been saved by grace and them that are lost in their sins. It's a separation when you're lost and apart from God. You need to feel that separation. I sure felt it one night as a little boy. I felt that separation. I knew what Adam and Eve felt that night. I knew I was a guilty sinner. I felt that I'm afraid people don't feel conviction anymore. I'm afraid they really don't feel that hard conviction. But Jerusalem was the place there on the place of Mount Moriah. It was the same place that David built an altar. It was the same place on Mount Moriah, on that same threshing floor where Solomon built his temple. It was at Jerusalem that Jesus Christ had to be crucified at Jerusalem. He had to, it had to be that way. But how it must have broke their heart as they watched him succumb under the weight of that cross. And they had to compel Simon of Cyrenian to carry it the rest of the way. And my friend, he told the women there as he was going to his death, he was still ministering to other people. Do you realize? Do you realize how that was? Maybe that's what convicted the thief next to him on the cross. He saw Jesus. He saw Him. He saw His bloody frame. Maybe He saw His trial. And maybe He realized this is an innocent man. And whatever the case may be, as I said in Sunday school this morning, that thief on the cross had more faith than the apostles of Jesus Christ. For at the moment he knew Jesus was going to die on the cross, he said, remember me when you come into your kingdom. In other words, that thief realized you're dying, but this isn't the end of you. You've got a kingdom that you're going to. The apostles didn't even really grasp that. They all forsook Him and fled except for John. He was at the cross. He was right at the foot of the cross. He was John's best friend. Mary Magdalene, whom He cast seven demons out of, she was there at the cross. Mary, the mother of Jesus, was there at the cross. Jairus' little girl may have... You ever wonder who all was gathered in? If Lazarus was there whom He raised from the dead? If Jairus' little girl was there whom He healed and raised from the dead? You ever wonder if those to that woman that touched the hem of His garment? She was probably there too. I don't know that to be a fact, but I know that He changed their lives. He changed everything. The three and a half years of His ministry, He told John the Baptist when He started, it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. And when He hung on the cross, and He said, it's finished. He fulfilled all righteousness right there. He fulfilled it all. Hallelujah indeed, brother. Hallelujah to God. And they drove Him there with His hands and His feet and they pierced His side those five points 
of reference five holes in his broken frame. And when Joseph took him down from the cross, what a bloody body that he had. Uh, the thorn had pierced his brow and it had run down his beard. It had run down his face. It had run down his arms. Uh, when they pierced his side, the blood fell out. And my friends, at the bottom of the cross on the ground all around was the blood of God. It was the blood of the God-man, rather. Now, my friend, that precious blood is what is able to cleanse you and save you from sin and save you from hell. It's nothing but the blood. The Bible declares that to be true in Revelation 1.5, He that washed us from our sins in His own blood. He gave it for you. Do you understand that? They didn't kill Him. They didn't take His life. He just gave it. He said, Father, into Thy hands I commit my spirit. And He bowed His head. But when He said it is finished, I thought, my, my, what a remarkable thing. No more sacrifices for thousands of years. And they brought daily sacrifices to the priests. Brought them daily. And do you imagine the, the garb, uh, the, the clothing, uh, that, that temple, the altar? There had to be blood everywhere. Thousands of years of blood had shed on that place. Thousands of years. Can you imagine being a priest? Every day you'd get up, you'd go slay an animal, and the blood would be everywhere, and to do that every day, day in and day out. But when Jesus Christ said, it is finished, all the blood had been spilled at that point, And there was nothing left to do. He fulfilled all righteousness. There was a point in time while He was hanging on the cross that He who knew no sin became sin for us on the cross of Calvary. Thank God. Hallelujah. My sin debt, it was paid. you know what that really means? In the Greek, in the Greek, where this was translated from, there is one word for it is finished. And I'm not trying to pronounce it, but you can look it up. There's one word. And they translated that to it is finished. You know what that word means? It means a couple of things. But one of them was a legal, uh, it was a tax collecting term. It means the debt has been paid. Do you understand the significance of that? Sin debt has been paid. It's finished. Do you understand what he meant? And no wonder, thank God, that, that was one of the things. Sin has been paid for. And death has made its match at the cross of Calvary. My friend, He paid it. He paid it all. Every sin, He became sin in such a manner that His own Father above turned His back. He couldn't look upon His Son. Do you realize there were 70,000 angels waiting there? He said, I can call on 12 legions, a legion of 6,000 angels. There were 72,000 angels that would have come and took him down. All he had to do was just call him. But he never called. He never called. Because it became him to fulfill all righteousness. Make no mistake about it. He could have called them. They'd have took him down. He'd have still been God. He would have still been righteous. He would have been justified if he had chosen to do that. He would be justified. Because He was God. But because He was God, 
And because He was man, because He loves sinners, He hung there until He expired. But they didn't take His life. He gave it up. And my friend, He said, it's finished. And He just bowed His head and He gave up the ghost. But I thought, hallelujah. It's over with now. It's done. But I thought how sad it must have been for Mary Magdalene. She was the one that gave her her life meaning. Or He was the one that gave her life meaning. She was nothing without Him. I, I got news for you today. And I love my wife. She's been better than me than I deserve. But I got news for you. Without Jesus, I'm nothing today. He is everything to me. He's my all in all. He means the world to me. I wouldn't trade Him for anything today that you'd offer me. He, no wonder Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early that morning. She, where else was she supposed to go? She went there to weep. And she went there to grieve. And she went there to take that breath. That blessed, whoo, blessed broken body and anoint it, begin to wash the blood off. That's what she thought in her mind. It was one last thing that she could do for Him whom her soul loved. It was the only thing she knew to do. But when she got there, she got a surprise. There are seven words in the Bible that I think are probably the greatest ever spoken. And that wasn't spoken by man. It was spoken by an angel. And when they got there, the Bible says in Luke that they went in, the stone had been rolled away, and they went in and they didn't see the body. But they saw two angels in shining garments. In other words, their, their, their garments were shining forth with the radiance, uh, with a glow, with the glory of God. And they were standing there in shining garments and they said... I know that ye seek Jesus who was crucified. And those seven words they said, He's not here. He is risen. And I thought about that, those seven words. He is not here. He is risen. How that must have sent a joke through their body and through their soul. What do you mean He rose from the dead? And they said, Go tell His disciples and Peter. Mark put that one in there. See, Peter had denied Him. The last thing that Peter did before the Lord Jesus was crucified is saying, I do not know this man. Peter denied Him. Mark made it clear and plain that Jesus told Mary, go tell His disciples and be sure and find Peter. I know Peter's grieving I know He's sorry for what He did. I know that He loves me. Be sure and go find Peter and tell him that I love him. I thought about that. But Mark said the disciples believed her not. I would love to sit here and say the disciples were on fire for God. And they were in a revival meeting. But my friend, they wouldn't. They were just as hopeless as anybody else would have been. And that day, see, Jesus had rose people in the Old Testament, Elijah and Elisha. There had been people that had risen from the dead before. He raised Lazarus from the dead. But you see, when Jesus rose from the dead, it was a different kind of resurrection. Everybody else that had ever risen from the dead had to die again. 
But Jesus, when He rose, He said, I am the resurrection and I am the life. And he that believeth in Me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And he that liveth and believeth in Me, glory to God, shall never die. Believest thou this? And Mary said, Yea, Lord, I believe. He rose from the dead, walked into a new world. Uh, He had a glorified, resurrected body. And my friends, He went to meet His disciples in Galilee. Aren't you glad for that? He showed Himself to about 500 brethren at one time, the Bible says. But I thought about the resurrection. I thought about it being over. I thought about it being done. You can find that in Revelation too. When He said, It is done. I am Alpha and Omega. The beginning and the ending. He said, It is done, John. Behold, John. He said in Revelation 1, Behold, John, I am He that liveth and was dead. But behold. In other words, look upon Me. Behold. I'll never die again. And I, Thank God, hallelujah. He's the life giver. He's the giver of life. If you want life today, if you want eternal life, I mean some of you sit on your seat Sunday after Sunday after Sunday, revival after revival, I just want to be real blunt with you. Do you want to be saved? Do you really want to be saved? If you really want to be saved, the Savior is here. He's alive. Put your faith and your hope and your trust in that man that died and rose from the grave. And thou shalt be saved. Repent and believe and thou shalt be saved. Brother, you're preaching an easy believer and no not. It wasn't easy for me. I'm not talking about a belief with just your mind. I'm talking about down deep in the heart, deep in the soul, when God gets a hold of it. And you feel it's not here, but you feel the separation here. You feel trouble here. You know you'll die lost. You know hell fire will be your home. Do you want to be saved? There's only one way. And it's the way of the cross. It's a bloody way. It's a gory way. It's the only way. I know there are men who come up with other methods, but I'll say it's the cross and nothing else. For 2,000 years, men have tried to put their spin on it. Preachers have tried to put their spin on it. I just want to tell you what the Word says. He that believeth shall be saved. That's what the Bible says. I'm not talking about easy believism. Because it's hard to get to that place internally where you see yourself as a sinner. Probably the hardest thing you'll ever go through. Seeing yourself as God sees you a wretched, filthy sinner separated from God. But thank God it's finished. The plan is now complete. He bowed His head and He gave up the ghost. In other words, He, as I said, they didn't kill Him. He willingly just gave it up. Knowing, into Thy hands I commend My Spirit. But on that third day, 
on that third and glorious day, my friend, uh, the angel rolled the stone away or an earthquake came and the stone was rolled away not for him to get out. He didn't need it rolled away to get out. It was rolled away so they could see inside. That's why it was gone. My friend, our whole faith is built upon an empty tomb. Don't you believe if they had found his body, if somebody had stolen it, I believe the Jews looked, I believe the Romans looked, I believe everybody had search parties out. I believe they were searching for this body so they could prove he was dead once and for all. If they had found his body, we would have known about it. It would have been recorded. They would have paraded him through Jerusalem and said, Behold your king! But they didn't find his body. He didn't appear to any non-believer. After his resurrection, he only appeared to those who had been saved by grace. But they left the witness. And 2,000 years later, the witness is still here. It's the church of the living God. You are a living witness and a living testimony. The ranks of men that you join in who have believed down through the ages. Boy, that's something you ought to be proud of. Something you ought to take notice of. Have you been saved? Do you know Him? In a free part of the sin. Do you know the resurrection? We see crosses. He's not on the cross anymore. Just one time. Just one time. And He perfected, according to Hebrews, forever them that are sanctified with that one offering. He went into heaven. He carried His blood with Him. He went into heaven, knelt down before the Father, and said, Father, it is over. It's finished. I've done all the work. Everything that You told me to do, I've done. I've left My Word with My disciples. I've left My Word with them. But here's My blood. And the Father saw the travail of His soul and His blood and was satisfied. Well, that's an important thing. The Father, God the Father, is now satisfied. See, in the Old Testament, it said He was angry with the wicked every day. He wasn't satisfied. The blood that they were offering from bulls and goats, it didn't satisfy God. It was the way, the light that they had at that time pointing to Jesus. But when He said it's finished, the Father said, I'm satisfied. No more offering for sin. That's the final one. It's the only one that matters. And the Father is satisfied. And now He doesn't judge any man. He no longer is angry with the wicked every day, but He's committed all judgment to the Son. It's now the Son who passes judgment. The Father stepped back and the judgment now belongs to Jesus. And God the Father satisfied with that. I thought this morning, and I'm done. I thought this morning, one day, one day, one day soon, and soon to me could be 50 years. That's still soon. I've lived nearly 45, and they've went by quick. If I live another 45, they'll go by even quicker. But I thought one day soon I'll be able to look upon His face. I'll see those holes 
that I believe He'll still bear the marks. Because even after He rose from the dead, He still had the marks in His hands and in His feet. There's an old song that says, You shall know Him by the marks. But one day, I want to wrap my hands around His neck and just fall over Him like John did. Fall and lean on His chest and just begin to say thank you. I can't enjoy the glories of heaven until I've took time to go and hug my Savior and say thank you. Thank you for dying for me. Making all of this possible. And then I'll enjoy the splendors and the glory and the reunion. But I won't enjoy any of it until after I see my Savior. And I begin to thank Him for dying for a wretch like me. Calling me to preach. I'm telling you, I'm thankful. It's not an easy thing, but it's a good thing. Maybe somebody here has been called. I don't know your heart. But I'm telling you, we're running out of time. I said there's no urgency with the lost. Let me take it a step further. You know why there's no urgency with the lost? It's because there's no urgency with the church. There's not. Yet church gets that urgency about her. Realizes the days are numbered. I believe you'll begin to pray for revival. And pray for these lost. Lost person. If you ever got a sense of urgency about you, you'd see that one day your heart's going to be its last. Your breath is going to leave your body. Your soul and spirit is going to leave this shell. And you're going out into eternity. There ought to be some urgency there, wouldn't you think? They came to the tomb and they found it empty. I believe their testimony is true. I believe it's still empty today. I believe you'll see Him seated at the right hand of the Father. The Father being completely satisfied with the payment for sin. Remember, it is finished. Is one Greek word that one of the definitions of that means your debts have been discharged. Hallelujah. I couldn't pay my sin debt, but it's been discharged for me and placed upon Him. The Bible says that it's for because of our iniquity, our transgressions. It's because of our sin. This man Jesus never sinned a day in His life. But it was for our transgressions. By His stripes, we are healed. Mentally, physically, spiritually, whatever kind of healing that you take, your sickness was laid upon Him on the cross. No wonder He cried, My God, my God, why hast Thou forsaken me? It was in that moment all the sin was laid upon Him. It was in that moment, and I'm done, I thought, for the first time in His life, He was completely and utterly alone. No help from the Father. No help from the Holy Spirit. No help from His apostles. He hanged there as a man all alone and the bulls of Bashan and demons of hell gathered around about Him. That's what the psalmist said. The dogs were gathered around And every demon was there and hell was having a time and Satan was having a time thinking this is the end of your Christ. 
But on the third day, on the third day, on that third and glorious day, and when he opened up his eyes, he walked out of the tomb and he turned around and he shook the keys of death, death and hell. And now he's got the keys. That's why I can go to a graveyard. It's why I can preach a funeral. It's why I can gather around the stones of the memorials of those that we bury their scattered remnants, of those that we bury their mortal remains. That's why I can go to the graveyard and shout hallelujah. We'll see him again. We'll see him again, brothers. We'll see him again. That's all I've got for you. God's done with me today. It's finished. It is finished. Hallelujah for the plan of salvation. Come ahead with a song.